0: Welcome to Digging Deeper in Grace, a ministry of Grace Baptist Church in Cedarville, Ohio. Our goal each episode is to dig deeper into the scriptures with a focus on our most recent sermon. And now, let's dig deeper. Hello,
1: and welcome to this episode of Digging Deeper in Grace. I'm your host, John Davis, alongside my bride, Jennifer. Hey, babe. Hey. We're filling in for your friend and ours, Bart Sheridan. Back with us as well on this week's podcast is Pastor Tim Cockrell to discuss his most recent sermon here at Grace. Hosea 14, repent and return. Hi, Tim. Hey, how's it going? Looking forward to this. Good. Jen, thanks again for assisting me. I think it's my joy. Yeah, you think? You think? <laughs> oh, oh, let uh, you know. oh, we're gonna have to talk later. <laughs> all right, Tim, we've spent the bulk of the summer in Hosea. Would you remind us again why you chose this uh, passage to walk through? It seems like this is not a typical one that a pastor might uh, put
0: before their people. Yeah, that's a great question. I think there's a couple of different levels even that we can answer. You know, first of all, why do we study the prophets, you know, many times pastors don't preach in the prophets at all, but passages like Habakkuk and Hosea, I think have really important messages for us in terms of the the seriousness of sin, the reality of judgment and the call to repent. And so when I think about Hosea specifically, it's such a beautiful picture of God's unconditional, relentless love. And I think as we really look at the Hosea's own life and the, the model that he's supposed to demonstrate toward Gomer, we begin to understand just the a portion of God's love for us and his pursuit of us even when we are unlovely and unworthy. And that then corresponding to that When we understand the the seriousness of our sin, we respond to the invitation to repentance, which is why it kind of is all building up to that final chapter, that if we rightly understand who God is and rightly assess who we are, there really is only one proper response, and that is to repent and turn from the sin that can't satisfy Mm. and to return to him. And that is just as timeless a message for us as it was for them.
1: Mm. So clearly the spotlight this last week was on repentance, and as you were unpacking what real repentance looks like, you mentioned that regret and repentance are different. What do you see as the main differences between the
0: two, regret and repentance? I think 2 Corinthians 7 is really helpful in this, and that there is a godly sorrow that leads to repentance, but it also says there's a worldly sorrow that leads to death. Hmm. And pastorally, and even in pastoral counseling, there's sometimes where I'll have someone sitting in my office who is just overcome with remorse. Their, their eyes are filled with tears. But as mm-hmm. we then walk out the process of how to respond to that sadness over their sin, mm-hmm. they're resistant to actually changing. Mm-hmm. They're, they're sad for the consequences of their sin, but not for the sin itself. And that's one of the key differences I would draw between regret and and genuine repentance. Regret tends to be more self-focused, mm-hmm. whereas repentance is more God-focused. Uh, regret is focused on the, the consequences of, I, I'm sorry, I got caught. Huh? I'm, mm-hmm. I feel sorry for myself that things are so hard now that I'm in this place. Mm-hmm. Whereas repentance accepts the consequences as the the natural outcome of my choices. And so even with our kids, when we discipline them, you know, maybe they'll come back and say, well, dad, I'm sorry, I was disrespectful. Often one of the key gauges as to whether they are genuinely sorry is how they then respond when we give them hmm. the consequence for their choice. Okay, you're you're yeah. grounded or you've lost privileges. If they then blow up in anger, we say, well, hold on. Mm-hmm. If you say you're sorry, that's an acknowledgement you did wrong. Along with that needs to be an acceptance of what the consequences are for that. So those are just a few of the things that I think are different. And I think we have to be guarded, that that can be true of any one of us, mm-hmm. you know, that it's not just about somebody out there, but that we can feel bad about our sin, but that only remains at the superficial, even selfish level, but that doesn't really penetrate the heart.
1: Mm. Okay. So early on, as you're beginning to unpack Hosea 14, um, specifically as I think through verses two and three, there's some biblical application that we need to take away in our day, but there's language here that uh, seems contextual, to the Old Testament in that time frame uh, where we're seeing practices that don't seem to correlate to our day, such as the sacrifice of bulls. What do we do as we think about applying the bigger theme here in 14, but yet we're seeing these these Old Testament applications here?
0: Yes, I think there's maybe two pieces of, of response to that. First of all, anytime we see an Old Testament practice or any biblical practice, we need to build a theological bridge to where we are. Mm. So if we look at Old Testament sacrifices, for instance, we need to understand What were those? Sacrifices were not, uh, I'll say, meritorious in themselves, but they were an expression of faith in God's provision of forgiveness by faith it's demonstrated in obedience. And so, obviously, as we trust in Christ, he is our ultimate sacrifice. But to take it a step further, when we look at Hosea 6 and the fact that these people had expressed superficial repentance, Hosea 6.6, 6, God says, I desire loyal love mm-hmm. rather than sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Now, God's not saying I'm getting rid of the whole sacrificial system there, but rather, if you're just going through the external motions, that's not actually what I'm after. I don't want your religious observance or your moral behavior or your sin management. What I want is your heart. Mm-hmm. And so as we think about how we apply that, I think that the essence is exactly the same. The sacrifices that honor the Lord are a broken spirit and a contrite heart. Somebody who's genuinely broken over their sin because it is an offense against God. And they begin to view it the way God does. Because if somebody could bring a bull to the temple and still not have it be an act of faith, it could be an act of just rote religious observance. But what really honored God and what really was was covering of the sin was a sacrifice that was offered in humble repentance and genuine faith. Mm. So, Jen, I'm, I'm realizing that I've been
1: asking all the questions, and I, I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask uh, you to just follow up on something you and I had talked about uh, just the other day uh, in relation to this idea of repentance and biblical community. Sure. Are you gonna talk about Jules' question? Jules question. Yeah, first. I'm gonna get we to that one. I'm one. gonna get I'm All gonna right, get to like, that, don't leave that, I wanna, that I one. Let you That's go a first. Good question. Yeah, I'll get back to All it. All right. So we were talking about how repentance uh, happens in biblical community. And so I know for myself that the Lord has been so kind. I have so many women that I have a relationship with outside of just Sunday school class here, but I can go to them and they can come to me and say, hey, Jen, let's work on this. Or, And I know that's through mm-hmm. biblical love that they're coming to me and vice versa. But what if, what if women or men don't have that community? How are they gonna have a good repentance mm-hmm. um, in the church and how does that work in their lives?
0: Yeah, I think it starts by recognizing that we all need it. You know, we as Americans are so individualistic, self-sufficient, and autonomous mm-hmm. that we don't want someone else to speak into our lives often. Mm-hmm. We don't want them interfering with it our hurts. stuff. It does. Mm-hmm. We want them to leave us alone, and which is one of the reasons, and this is a, a completely different topic, but why I think a lot of churches uh, are so... Um, Focused on being more of a spectator than a participant Mm -hmm. where people can kind of come get fed get a, a kind of an emotional experience, but they don't actually have to do life with one another. And so the, the essential starting point is to say, I need those relationships, not just for support or encouragement, but for genuine heart transformation. Mm -hmm. And then once I have that conviction, it's going to change my level of engagement. So for instance, here at Grace, we have our, our ABFs, we have our small groups, we have different accountability groups or women's Bible studies. Those are not just programs. Those are expressions of a priority.
1: Absolutely. That
0: we need to live in community. And so those are priorities of prayer, that as we're praying for one another, priorities Mm -hmm. of discipleship, that we have older mentoring younger. We have those who are further along in their faith, helping those who are, are relatively new. But it also says we need to be the church and not just go to church. And one of the ways we be the church is to keep watch over one another's souls yeah. that we honestly confess our own sin because that's a an encouragement as well as a warning for others around us but we also humbly and gently address the sin in others lives making sure that we get the speck out of our or the log out of our own eye first but that we do so because we care about one another and so if somebody's listening here and and maybe you you don't have those relationships i guess my first question would be Is it something you actually want? Yeah. Because nobody can force that on you. Correct. You know, but if it's something that you genuinely want, then we would love to help you connect to an ABF or a small group or a a group of three or four people that can meet regularly for prayer and accountability. And again, that's not just going through the motions or checking a box spiritually, but that is saying... It is a dangerous thing to do the spirit, the Christian mm-hmm. life in isolation. And so I need them and they need, need me. And so what am I going to do then to put that priority into practice? Yeah,
1: absolutely. We need people to speak truth into our lives so mm. much. Yes.
0: Okay. Well, Tim, I'll
1: just remind again for how faithfully you prepare and share the word with us each week. Thank you for doing that. Um, as we engage with our kids prior to even uh, coming on and pulling this podcast together, you know, We were reminded that that preparation that you're doing speaks even to the youngest listeners in Mm -hmm. uh, our gatherings each Mm -hmm. week, and so I got a question, as Jen alluded to, from our youngest daughter, Jules, who wanted us to pass along this question. So here it is. She says, Pastor Tim, I'm 12. She literally said it this way. I'm 12. Uh, How do I, at my age, uh, heed the warnings of judgment found in Hosea, and you mentioned that nothing else matters if we don't get this right. How do we get it Right.
0: Oh, I love this question. Because it really gets to the heart of what James 1 says, that we don't want to just be hearers of the Word, we want to be doers of it. And I think there's a danger for every one of us that we can come to God's Word and study it and have some intellectual understanding of what it means, but if we don't actually take those truths and put them into practice, they haven't really made any uh, explicit difference in our lives. And so, Jules, great question. Uh, I think mm-hmm. the first thing I would say is, it starts with the importance of salvation. You know, throughout Scripture, the warnings of judgment are ultimately pointing to the eternal judgment that every one of us deserve, that all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, that the wages of sin are, are death and eternal separation from God. And it tell, Scripture tells us that God is not slow in keeping his promises, but that he is patient so that we might come to repentance. And so foundationally and fundamentally, we have to say, have I trusted in Christ? Have I acknowledged the weight of my sin and responded in a way that accepts the free gift of salvation that he provides? Once we have that foundational piece there, then I think it goes to this point that we've already been talking about, and that is the role of community. Because the warnings of judgment sometimes come in the form of correction or of consequences. So if you're 12, most of the time Mm -hmm. that's going to come from your parents. (laughs) And that's... Uncomfortable and it's frustrating, especially as you move into the teenage years and you start to kind of individuate and and think your own thoughts, it can be really frustrating Mm -hmm. to feel like you're you're being corrected or or pointed in directions that are uncomfortable or that you might disagree with. But that by submitting to the authorities that are over you Mm -hmm. and by heeding the wisdom and words of warning that they give, you one Give joy to the authorities that are over you because they're watching out for your soul. And two, you avoid some of those dangers that you easily could pursue that will have long-lasting consequences. So one of the things that God's saying here in the book of Hosea is, I'm going to send you short-term punishments mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so that you will steer away from long-term eternal separation And so I would just say leverage those opportunities to grow in community now so that you can grow in maturity moving forward yeah and that makes me think of the passage in Second
1: Timothy that you brought forward uh, at the beginning of your message and it's the idea that we see here and I'll, I'll read here in a moment that you know repentance leads to the knowledge of the truth that we may come to our senses mm. So 2 Timothy 2, uh, 24 through 26 says this, And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach patiently, enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. I'm going to put a little parenthetical. there. That's biblical invasiveness. That's us going to mm-hmm. each other and saying, brother, sister, we need to talk. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, uh, correcting his opponents with gentleness, God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses come to their senses, I love that line, Mm -hmm. and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. Well, friends, it's been good to be back with Pastor Tim Cockrell for this week's episode of Digging Deeper in Grace. We've been discussing his most recent sermon from Hosea 14. Tim, thanks again. You can access Grace's sermons and podcast episodes on demand by visiting gracecederville.org, gracecederville.org, on the World Wide Web, and by clicking the Media tab. We also encourage you to share your questions and comments with each, uh, with us each week uh, by emailing them to contact at gracecederville.org. So email us at gracecederville.org. And please, plan to join us for the next installment of Digging Deeper in Grace. Thanks again for tuning in to this week's episode. God bless, and keep growing in grace.
0: Digging Deeper in Grace is a ministry of Grace Baptist Church in Cedarville, Ohio. Visit us online at gracecederville.org and join us next time as we continue our discussion. In the meantime, we invite you to continue digging deeper in grace as you read God's Word.